Hello, welcome to Media Roots Radio. Today, I am interviewing comedian, TV show host, and political activist Lee Camp. If you would like to jump straight to the interview with Lee Camp, scroll about five minutes into the podcast. My favorite show currently airing on RT is Redacted Tonight, hosted by Lee Camp. Redacted Tonight is up to episode 178, and it airs twice a week. One show is an interview show, and the other is with a live audience. Lee Camp was a longtime stand-up comedian who has over three stand-up specials and two comedy CDs. His latest special is called We Are Nothing, and it's available on YouTube. I first heard of Lee when he made an appearance on Fox and Friends in 2008 and made the -the off-the-cuff remark to the befuddled host of Fox and Friends that Fox was a festival of ignorance. All right, Julia and Lee, we appreciate it. I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot more jokes for the rest of the campaign here. They just keep coming. Can I can I just ask a question? Sure. What what is Fox News? It's just a parade of propaganda, isn't it? It's just a it's just a festival of ignorance. What? Why a million Fox people are dead in Iraq? Come on, this is ridiculous. What's the point of this? Um, this is insane. Well, I love, uh, go I out, love people Fox at home. News. Go outside. Go go hug Lee, your children. you should be more. Well, Fox you News should be more worried. Love your family. You know. And you, you get all the news. Right. Fox, you get all the news you can at Fox News. And immediately afterwards, they cut to commercial. One of the rare instances of someone making it to air on Fox News and trolling them live as the cameras were rolling. Lee and his team at Redacted Tonight write all their own material and have been cranking out regular 30-minute TV show episodes since mid-2014. Before Lee became unfairly labeled as an agent for Russia, or a Putin plant, there was plenty of mainstream praise for his work in Rolling Stone, The Herald, and even The Guardian. He carries with him a sensibility similar to Bill Hicks, cutting political comedy that transcends partisan politics, a sensibility that Bill Hicks' brother, Steve Hicks, appreciated and spoke about once. I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory, just about some of the recent events uh, that have been happening and some of the recent moves being made against Russia today. On January 6, 2017, as one of the Obama administration's last big moves, The DNI, the Director of National Intelligence Office, was to show links between the DNC hack and the WikiLeaks DNC emails that Russia swayed the 2016 election. Instead, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report in part recycled that was 25 pages long and featured zero forensic or hard evidence of this hack. Instead, Seven of the 25 pages were entirely about the network Russia Today and how it was designed to disrupt American politics, including a section quoting my own sister, Abby Martin, calling the two-party system in the U.S. a sham. Almost a year later, on November 13, 2017, long after supposed Putin plant Trump got into office, Russia Today was required to file paperwork designating them as a foreign agent under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. RT, a Moscow-headquartered media company, said today that it was going to register as a foreign agent in the United States. Uh, If they didn't comply with that demand by the Justice Department, it might put them out of business or shut down their businesses, operations in the U.S. Now, this move runs counter to the narrative that you hear that Trump is doing the bidding of Russia. This is something that Hillary Clinton would have done. 
Aaron Mate in The Nation said, The demand is unusual. Although hundreds of foreign entities are required under FARA, international media outlets are almost entirely exempt, and none have registered in over a decade. RT's operational structure closely resembles U.S.-based state-owned counterparts like BBC America, Al Jazeera English, and China's CCTV, yet RT stands alone in being compelled to register under a law established in 1938 to counter Nazi propaganda. On November 14th, comedian Michael Ian Black and former Daily Show writer Jenna Friedman started taunting Lee Camp on Twitter about him being an agent for Vladimir Putin. They demanded that he show evidence that he's allowed to criticize Putin. And even after he did show this evidence, clearly, and multiple times, they refused to back down and continued to try and smear him as a comedian working on the side of evil. To their disappointment, zero of their establishment comedian friends came in to back them up. Instead, they were faced with Lee's overwhelming following online. In the end, both ended up looking not only extremely petty, but dangerously sucked into the undercurrent of growing hysteria in the United States. On December 16th, 2017, National Public Radio aired a segment called A Look at RT's Redacted Tonight. Of course, they didn't just end up looking at it. It was a textbook hit piece. Russian programming is no longer breathless proclamations about tractor production or accolades to the Kremlin. Look at a show called Redacted Tonight on RT America, a Russian network broadcast in the U.S. The show is hosted and written by an American comic in black jeans with a hipster beard and long bobbed hair. They even interviewed a fellow comedian from SCTV and then ended with a quotation from Julia Loff, who's one of the biggest Russia hysterics, trying to conflate being a Russian agent with a, quote, useful idiot for Putin. There's a term called useful idiot. Mm-hmm. That, that was Lenin. It's, it's apocryphally attributed to Lenin. Yeah. I'm sure Lee Camp and, and his co-conspirators on the show have the best intentions, but they're being used for propaganda purposes. On January 5th, 2018, Russian-owned RIA, Global, that produces Sputnik Media, was ordered to register as a foreign agent as well. They were told that they had 30 days to comply with the registration from the U.S. government. So taking all this into consideration and what's been happening to RT and various Russian media outlets, I'd like to welcome Lee Camp to the show. So from your, your perspective, Lee, of having done Redacted Tonight, at RT for as long as you have. And since you've been there, just seeing how this whole narrative, this anti-Russian narrative has evolved, when did you first start noticing it was going to get to this level? Did you feel it building? Or did you notice sort of a trajectory of, of when this propaganda started to ramp up? And when, when did you first notice that? Yeah, I mean, I guess for, for for several months after the election, I kind of thought it would die down because I knew there was nothing there. It was, you know, it's it's very similar to weapons of mass destruction. And you, you keep thinking like, God, they're going to, unless they have something really, uh, uh, you know, real proof, real evidence, then this is going to die down. And it hasn't. They've just kept trying to hang on to it because they know they, they, they have nothing else, else you know, that the Democrats and the and the power elite in general have no answers for the American people. So what can they do but point the finger at, you know, Russia or on the other side, point the finger at immigrants or whatever it is. But yeah, it doesn't seem like it's dying down. It just seems like it keeps getting worse. And and uh, it, it, it it's fascinating to 
to watch them, you know, go after uh, RT to watch such a media frenzy like this. Uh, they, you know, they obviously there's the foreign agent registry, but then they recently took away the uh, RT reporters press credentials for, for the Hill to get on the Hill, which doesn't impact redacted tonight uh, really at all, but it does impact the other reporters. And, and, you know, they're, they're seem likely to be legal battles, but it's just one step after another of trying to, trying to crush, uh, you know, dissenting viewpoints. And, and it's obviously not just RT, a lot of anti-establishment outlets have been really hurt recently by Google's new search protocols and Facebook uh, suppression and YouTube suppression, demonetization. So it's not just RT, but obviously RT is uh, a bit of the center of it. Going back a little bit to right before the election, when you said that you know, you thought it was going, they were going to provide some proof and then it was just going to die down after the election. Do you feel that, you know, that there's definitely something to this anti-Russian propaganda campaign that's completely separate from Trump? It's, it's actually something more that perhaps something meant to just censor or marginalize dissenting viewpoints, like, for example, your show or RT, if you want to create a wider umbrella yeah yeah it's uh i mean absolutely i think that most of it is separate from trump it's you know there's been kind of a great awakening of the american public over the past uh 20 years or so as the internet has become more available and faster in every home and and now and you see it on smaller issues how quickly minds have been changed you see it with you know legalization of uh, marijuana and with gay marriage and so many things have changed so quickly. If you look at the, really the scope of time, like to, to, to have these things change over the span of 10 years, 15 years is pretty incredible. And I, I feel like you just, you see people waking up so suddenly, uh, you know, it's something like 6% of the American public now has faith, full faith in the mainstream media. And so basically this, the, the oligarchy, the, the, the powers that be, uh, have to find a way to get everything back in the box to try and to try and stop people from asking these questions. And the, the, the only way to do that is to, to scare them and to say, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's Russia, it's fake news. Um, and, and cause they, they honestly have no other answers to try and shut that up. So, uh, you know, the, the level of suppression and, and censorship is pretty incredible. And you kind of see it trickle through each month, you know, uh, my my Facebook, I, I have a very large uh, Facebook page, and you know I used to gain s- somewhere between six and nine thousand followers uh, a week, and now it's down to five hundred because they've changed their uh, algorithms so that my stuff basically can't go viral anymore. I'm I'm not saying they're pinpointing me specifically, but basically any anti-establishment uh, site can't really go viral anymore. Um, a lot of the, the demonization I mentioned earlier has to do with what words are in your title largely. So if your title has the word terrorism or the word Israel or the word Libya or, or, you know, a million different other things, propaganda, if it has those in the title, then it, it basically gets demonetized instantly. So if you take that word, like a word like terrorism and you space out the letters and put spaces at weird places, then it'll get monetized because YouTube is just looking for any word that suggests this video may uh, be be talking about something that doesn't really fit with the, the mainstream narrative. 
Um, you know, and, and Twitter actually has admitted in front of Congress that they uh, suppressed 50 percent of of all the hashtag DNC leaks tweets uh, and 25 percent of all the Podesta email tweets. So, you know, they, they, they proudly admitted in front of Congress that they're trying to suppress uh, the, the knowledge people have on these issues. And, and it, 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 it's uh, I mean, it's truly incredible to see them like to see Twitter executives and lawyers go in front of Congress and say, no, no, we tried to cover up the truth for you. We tried <laughs> to cover up your corruption. We did the best we could. Uh, that was something I never thought I'd see. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's, some of this is very subtle. Like uh, the social media person we have working at the show said that she thinks that all of our videos now are, are only uploading to Facebook in kind of a lower resolution. They, they don't seem to ever show in, in HD. And so a lot of these things can be very subtle to just make sure that uh, anti-establishment and, and dissenting viewpoints are not succeeding uh, as easily as they used to. Yeah, I mean, you brought up so many so many key points to this. I mean, one of the most interesting things I think you brought up is how this almost feels like it's just coming from all sides. It's demonetization of YouTube videos. It's deranking on Google. It's Twitter literally removing a certain percentage of a hashtag of actual, you know, leaked government yeah. documents. Um, I mean, and then on top of that, those are just that's just the private sector. But then you have just sort of this narrative coming through the mainstream media and just trickling down mostly to Democrats and neoliberals that Russian media had some kind of significant impact on the election and that they also <laughs> were behind right. Trump. And so it almost does seem like, I mean, what you're describing is on one hand, this does seem like it is mostly designed to stifle dissenting views instead of having to actually censor the internet. And I'm not, you know, I'm not speaking about this in conspiratorial terms. It just seems like there's a lot of vested right. interest from a lot of parties in doing this. But then they've been able to kill two birds with one stone because Trump was such a traumatic event that he won. That for some reason, you know, that's that's been the narrative for that, too, is that Russia caused that. So. So it does it does take on this cartoonish level where Russia's really causing everything bad, you know, even you know, Black Lives Matter, CNN was trying to insinuate that Russia was trying, you know, was having some kind of significant impact on that. And even if you believe that the Internet Research Agency, which is what they keep referencing, was a Russian troll farm. I mean, how do we know it wasn't just some joker at that Russian troll farm or, what? you know, even if that really exists, it's just theoretically just making a Facebook page of some black martial arts th thing just like for fun. <laughs> I mean, it's like they, they never right. it's just. So, I mean, to, it, they insinuate that Putin is giving them marching orders. So that's always the narrative. That's always the color that this narrative has. And, right. And the Michael Ian Black thing, we don't have to go into that. But that's basically what he was saying to you, is that you get marching orders from Putin. And then when you're like, no, I don't, he's like, well, you can't criticize Putin. It's like, well, yeah, I can. And then it just kind of like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I threw a lot of things at you, but... But yeah, let, <laughs> let, 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 let me see if I can remember some of these things uh, that I wanted to say. But uh, yeah, you're, you're hitting on a lot of a lot of the points. Um, you know, like you're talking about like oh, Russian Facebook pages or Russian money, and uh, you know when they when they're actually pushed to 
to provide proof of like, well, how many Russian Facebook pages were there or whatever ads or whatever. And so they say, Oh, well, we were able to find $50,000 that was connected to Russian Facebook ads. Okay. Let's take them at their word and say, that's actually true. That is a minuscule, nothing number in terms of the amount of money that went in to campaign ads of all kinds. We're talking billions of dollars and, and free media and, so fifty thousand dollars is is completely not you know uh, it's a completely uh, meaningless number. So so for them to point to that and be like, oh, that swung the election is so laughable. Then on top of that, people you know the the Democrat, Democrats that I would agree with probably agree with me on like you know seventy percent of issues. Uh, they're falling for it too. Even people that I know pretty well that are fans of my show sometimes are falling for this. I was talking to a guy that I know very well and he was like, well, yeah, but I bet you that I I won't be surprised when it comes out that Trump told Putin's troll farms, which battleground States to (laughs) go after, to go after, uh, well, to go after. And I go, well, if you're talking about hacking voting machines, most of them aren't even connected to the internet. So that's not even a thing. Like most, voting machine, uh, you know, shenanigans that go on and fraud that goes on is on the ground level in the coding. It's not, it's not internet based. Um, and then he goes, Oh, I didn't mean voting machines. I didn't mean uh, Facebook ads, uh, about fake news. <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, here's the thing. You're absolutely right. There was someone using Facebook data, pinpointing battleground areas and manipulating the information. Problem is it wasn't Russia. It was Cambridge Analytica, owned partially by or largely by Robert Mercer, who's a billionaire who also funded Trump, who also helped fund the Citizens United case. Like it was that was done. It just wasn't Russia. And so then when you say that, they don't want to talk about it anymore because that doesn't interest them. It doesn't fit with the, with the uh, storyline anymore. Um, so it, it, it's amazing that, that people are just willing to go with the, 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 the easiest storyline to, to allow it to be us versus them, to allow us all to get back into the, you know, the box where we aren't questioning what's going on in our country. We're just pointing the finger at somebody far away and saying it's their fault. Um, it, it, it's totally ridiculous. And then, you know, along that, that line, there was the Michael Ian Black thing, which is, you know, he He's a comedian who I've never met in person. I've never spoken to in person. And and he, along with a producer at The Daily Show, decides to start coming after me. As, and he thinks he's left wing. And it's like... And everybody on, on your show. Willing. He also... Yeah, man, well, he, want, all he, the he comedians. wants to be on my show. Yeah, he wants, to be, he wants to come on my show and debate me. But I don't, I don't have on... You know, I, I have on, like, dissidents and people I feel are speaking truth to power, not some pro-liberal you know, uh, uh, a sad little man who I guess has decided he's, you know, found out he's irrelevant and therefore has to go after me. But, <laughs> but, but the idea that you're somehow the patriot or something because you go on Fox News every night as the liberal punching bag, like that's why they have you on. That's why they had Alan Combs on back when it was Hannity and Combs. Yeah, exactly. you, need a lib- you need a liberal punching bag that always loses to make it look like the right wing has the right uh, ideas. So like that's somehow the noble thing to do. He's doing the right. It's, I don't know. It's uh, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he has no leg to stand on. I mean, that just the Megan McCain 
book that he wrote alone is is you know it just discredits almost everything he says but i had so i had a two-part question for you so basically two different questions so one one of them the the reason i wanted to talk to you is because you've been at rt long enough um you know doing your own thing pretty much you don't have a you don't read you know news scripts or anything like that and no yeah i write all my uh, unlike a lot of these shows i write all my own uh, stuff yeah, and 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 for a lot of people out there, they might be shocked to learn that. Let's just maybe to put it, you know, and no offense to RT, it's a bit of a shoestring operation in general of a TV <laughs> channel compared to say Comedy Central. So when you right, think of like right. the Daily Show or other comedy shows, they have like twenty th- th- thirty writers and people doing things for them at various times. I mean, am I wrong yeah, about and that? Even, and- no, no, you're right, and they do, and many of them do brilliant work. I don't, I don't want you know. Some I'm friends with some of them, uh, but you know, even John Oliver, that he's I think four, you know, once a week, four weeks out of five or something is his is his schedule. I think he has about a dozen writers, and and John Oliver is one of the most brilliant comedians I've ever seen. But there are there are plenty of writers and producers, and you know, and and redactor the night has a staff of six. So, so, so in other words, I'm not, saying not not not. not not six writers, six total, and I and I write all my own stuff. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, and you're also the writers also appear on screen and do comedy as well. So it's basically you work you guys work your ass off over there and for what you're able to put together is pretty goddamn impressive, you know, based on the resources that you're working with. So that's Thanks. that brings me to my 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 main point as a that I wanted and I wanted you to speak to this, that you've you know, there's a lot of people who are maybe looking at this from the outside and they're thinking, well, what's the big deal that, you know, they're going to derank RT? It's like, isn't that that anti-American Russian TV channel ran by Putin? You know, what, why, what's the big deal about that? Like, I don't want to see that, you know? Um, and they're, they're just people who, who I think outside of this, especially if they're not, you know, if you don't know someone who's worked for RT, if you don't really follow politics, this might not seem like a big deal what's happening but I feel like you have the unique perspective there. And I mean, I kind of do by proxy as well, just a little bit right. in the sense that, you know, I was very familiar with Abby when, you know, show when she was working there, I had visited you guys a couple of times when, you know, when you were doing your show as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really does sort of reinforce being on the inside reinforces just how much it is complete bullshit that that station takes like marching orders from Vladimir Putin or even that it does from the Russian government. Like that's, that's what's so odd to me is that if you've been there and you've worked there, like you have, you know, just how fictional that is. It's, it's just, yeah. And, and, and I mean, yeah, I, I write, I come up with the topics, I write all my own stuff and, uh, no one ever, no one's ever told me I have to say anything. No one's like forced me to do anything. It's, it's an incredible amount of freedom. And you compare that to even, you know, like, like when Melissa Harris Perry left MSNBC or was forced out, she went on democracy now and said that not only did they censor her regularly, but like on smaller issues, like she wanted to talk about Beyonce's black Panther inspired halftime show. And they absolutely said, you may not, make this an issue on your show like you <laughs> cannot talk about the super bowl halftime show wow. so the le- the level of censorship at other networks is crazy and i and i see none of that and you know i did a opening uh, monologue a couple of weeks ago on redacted tonight where i talked about why am I, why am i at this channel and it's because 
there are almost no channels, <laughs> there's almost no television in America where you're really allowed to speak out against like unfettered capitalism, against the corrupt two-party system. You, it simply is not allowed on almost every other channel. But because this channel doesn't get money from the corporate sponsors, they're not answering to the corporations. And it's and it's uh, so there there is, you know, one to two to three channels where it could even be possible that you could even begin to say something like I'm allowed to say on this channel. And that's why I'm here. And it's why Chris has it is here and Jesse Ventura and and, uh, you know, there's so many of these people, Mike Papantonio. So, you know, and, and, and as I said in the opening monologue, a lot of those guys are here because they were forced out at other networks or other outlets. You know, Chris Hedges fired from the New York Times for coming out against the Iraq war, being a, even though he was a Pulitzer Prize winning war journalist. And Jesse Ventura had a MSNBC major show that was about to begin when the Iraq war began. And they, they paid him a million dollars just to get him out of his contract because they found out he was against war. Like <laughs> that's, that's what you're dealing with on other networks. So that's how people end up here. And, and, you know, I, uh, the the idea that we're taking marching orders is is so laughable and and you know when other networks and other uh, they try and point to RT as like oh it's just Putin propaganda but the problem is most of us are opposed to Trump and we trash Trump and and I trash the two party system but I also have called Trump the most horrible names you could ever imagine stuff that's not allowed. You like you know, CNN can't call him a you know pile of uh, walrus diarrhea, is a <laughs> psychopathic megalomaniac. Like you won't hear Anderson Cooper say that, but I'm allowed to say it. So it doesn't really fit their talking points. That oh, it's pro-Trump. It's like no, we're not. Yeah, I mean that's the funny thing. I, I Abby actually told me a story. I think we talked about this on Media Roots that a BBC reporter contacted her and was like. I wanted to talk to you about your experience on RT. I'm hearing a lot of people there are pro-Trump. Like, as if the idea that people working at an office would be voting for one, a different president than other people was like a shocker. Like, like implying that, <laughs> implying once again that somehow Kremlin and Russia is like backing Trump, which, I mean, yeah. it just doesn't, I mean, and just on a side note, look at the last year. Have the normal have the relations between Russia and the U.S. gotten that much better in the last year? I mean, it seems like things are getting worse. If what you're describing is happening, and it is, I mean, it is for people who don't already know this that RT is getting squeezed in various ways. This foreign agent registration right. puts a lot of heat on them, and this. Um, Which is, if we if if you want to talk about that for a second, that that's yeah, so yeah. laughable because Go because ahead, yeah. there's other. There, there's like there's other you know it's, uh, well you've got to get if you're gonna have RT registered as a foreign agent then you need BBC and CBC and all these other Al Jazeera uh, channels yeah. that are yeah Al Jazeera that are state state associated and and uh, but of course the foreign agency registration started as the idea of it was to so that lobbyists for foreign governments had to declare they were lobbyists for foreign governments it started after World War II or during World War II to 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 out Nazis basically and now this is the first RT is the first media network that's ever been forced to do it so it doesn't fit with the whole point of the law but then on top of that you have APAC, which is by definition a a lobbying firm for a foreign government for Israel, 
that has never been forced to register as a foreign agent. And they, you know, there's documents showing they were asked to back under John Kennedy, and they basically just acted like their paperwork got lost for six months. And then ultimately, Kennedy, Kennedy was gone, and they basically just never did it. And then they even became tax exempt. So you have the actual definition of a foreign agent not registering as a foreign agent. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it, it's totally selective. And I think that, you know, while this is all a very big narrative that's going through the mainstream media, it seems to be constantly being broadcast, this sort of anti-Russian thing. Putin is constantly being talked about in the media still. The idea of RT being forced to register like this and what it means and how it's, you know, and how it's un, it's actually not fair considering what other places aren't is not, I just don't think it's in pub, the public consciousness at all people. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is this feels like whatever the culmination of this is going to be. And I fear that it's actually going to get much worse. I don't think they're going to outright ban RT because that's not the American way. You know, we don't ban, <laughs> we don't censor media. You know, we, we're a free country. So there's this balancing act where they're trying to put the squeeze on you guys. Um, and that's what's so fascinating yeah, yeah. about this, because what is it culminating to, if that's the point? Do they just want everybody to quit eventually because it's too stressful to work at RT? I mean, what what is the end game here? And have you, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, try to make you project yourself into a depressing um, finality to this, but what what do you think is going to happen? What do you, I mean, or, or what are your, well, some of your fears? Well, I don't know, but I, I'd say my fears are beyond RT uh, because it, it you know it is it is a first they came for RT and I didn't say anything because I didn't work at RT kind of scenario. Then they came for media roots and I didn't say anything because I didn't work <laughs> at media roots and you know then they came for me and there was no one left to speak up like it. it it is that kind of scenario where it's like, this isn't just RT. It's, it's all anti-establishment uh, networks will slowly and are slowly being squeezed in a variety of ways being so that it, even if you're not financially squeezed, you're, they're, they're making it so your stuff is you know far less likely to go viral. They're undermining your hashtags and everything else. Um, and so I, I think that, that, it probably will keep getting worse before it gets better. And that the end game needs to be that people start switching to platforms that are, uh, decentralized. Um, and you know, there, I don't think there's a lot of big ones yet, but I think there will be soon. Uh, similarly to the way Bitcoin is taking money out of a decentralized, uh, nature. I think eventually you'll, some YouTube like platform that is decentralized and cannot censor anything. Like it's not, no one owns it. So no one can say we're turning that off. I think that's ultimately where people will need to switch. Um, you know, I, I don't know where that is just yet, but I think that'll ultimately happen. So, you know, the hope is that this kind of the spigot of awareness is, is, has been opened and, and you can't really turn it off. You can't, you yeah. can't put water in a, in a box. And so, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I, I do, I, I am kind of hopeful, even though right now it's obviously very hard for, uh, redacted tonight or for other anti-establishment, especially people on YouTube that if that for a while were able to fund their life of activist videos with the monetization and now have no money coming in and therefore, you know, don't aren't able to really keep doing it. So, uh, I, I guess there are people that have it all have it worse than, than us, but, um, Oh, and one other point, uh, when you were talking about, uh, Putin is, 
uh, I can't remember her name, um, but there's a very well-known critic of r- the Russian government journalist who's actually moved to the U.S. Uh, because she, uh, I think, doesn't feel comfortable in Russia anymore. And so she's a major critic of Putin. But in interviews, she said that this this whole, uh, that they rigged the election and they, you know, their propaganda is taking over the world. She said it's, even to her, it's laughable. It's ridiculous because, uh, you know, she's like, look, there's a lot of things that are not great about Russia, but Putin is not some kind of fucking criminal mastermind like he he's trying to run a government but he's not you know the the u.s makes him out to be uh goldfinger or something he's he's (laughs) just but he's not as as powerful as they'd like you to believe and he doesn't have his hands in everything but the like i said earlier in order to not point the finger at the actual corruption of the dnc or the the fact that neither the democrats nor the republicans have any answers for your average american who's struggling who's uh you know starving who doesn't have health care doesn't have a house or whatever uh they have no answers so the answer can just be that oh it's the, it's the bad guy it's the evil man over there and that's really all they have for us which is pathetic i mean it really you brought up WMDs at the very beginning, and and let's let's leave it at these final two questions, and you can and you could um, you can finish out the podcast. Um, is the comparison to the WMDs propaganda is Putin just a scapegoat like Saddam, except one that we could just extend, you know, keep extending for as long as we possibly can to I don't know, you know, to get some kind of results or you know, censorship or, I mean, cause there's definitely the difference that I see between it and WMDs is this has gone on for, it's been building for about three years, you know, starting with very low level, you know, the stuff in Ukraine, Edward Snowden getting asylum mm-hmm. in Russia. There was, you know, it, it's been building and it just seems to have boiled over, you know, but that's what I guess when I was asking, what is it going to culminate to, you know, Iraq culminated in a terrible, terrible war, Maybe you can speak on that, if what you see parallels with that, and also what you think, you know, if it hasn't culminated to a war yet, um, I don't want to ask you another, de- you know, make you make a depressing prophecy of some <laughs> kind, but, but, but speak on that. And then also, um, Daniel McAdams was on RT recently and said something very interesting um, on the Ed Schultz show, uh, which basically the really simple point that he was making that he does not think that the U.S. He thinks, sorry, rather that the U.S. empire is too fragile for a free press. And, mm-hmm. and would, I, I, so speak on both of those points I just brought up. Yeah, well, they're, they're actually uh, very connected, the, the two points that, I mean, I hope it doesn't end in a war. I think that I assume both Russia and the U.S. realize that any sort of uh, war would, would become a you know, nuclear holocaust or something. But... Uh, um, but it is all about the U.S. empire. The U.S. empire is dwindling. I mean, uh, we're in late-stage capitalism when the final kind of resources are extracted by uh, a wealthy uh, elite that are wealthy beehind anyone's dreams. I mean, you have three people in this country have the same amount of wealth as the bottom 50%. It's completely unsustainable. I, when I, <laughs> I tell people, if you want to picture the U.S. economy, picture Chris Christie riding on the shoulders of Natalie Portman. Like <laughs> that's how we're set up right now. 
and it's completely unsustainable. So you've got a thousand military bases around the world. You can't sustain that either. You've got a, something like close to a trillion dollar military budget a year. And, and so it, it really is kind of collapsing under its own weight. I mean, the best argument against unfettered capitalism is unfettered capitalism. So it's, it's eating itself. And, uh, you know, in the, a caged tiger, uh, a cornered tiger behaves pretty fucking erratic. So uh, I, I think that it could get ugly. And, and, and that's why I believe it has to be a kind of revolution of the mind. The ideas have to change because I, I don't feel a violent, you know, violent revolution is just a catastrophe. It's, it's just, you know, millions dead. And so I, I think it really has to change the way people think and the way people live. And I think a, a lot of people, especially people under, you know, 40, under 30, are ready for, for a kind of a more sustainable world, a world that's more equal and, uh, and, and, and not just about wealth accumulation, not just about people suffering so that a tiny number of people can be rich beyond anyone's imagination. Um, and so I think a, a revolution, you know, the positive side of it is a, is a revolution of the mind and it's got to get worse before it, before it gets better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, and so that speaks to is the U S empire too fragile for a free press. I, I think it's getting there. And I think, uh, we, I mean, we don't really, in terms of the TV airwaves, we don't really have a free press, but you know, that's, that's why I'm at RT is because there's so few channels where you can actually speak about these issues. Uh, so as long as you have the monopolies owning 90%, you know, we're probably getting upwards of 95% of the airwaves. Uh, we don't really have a free press in that regard. They, you don't have to worry about these ideas being on television. Uh, RT kind of flouts that or, or, you know, uh, stands in the, (laughs) in the way of, of blocking fully the, the level of, debate uh but you know as we've been talking about they're trying their best to cover that up and uh i think we're still on direct tv but you know it's possible that down the road the cable carriers could all just decide they're not going to air it so uh but uh, you know we we have very little free press left and the same with newspapers they're all being bought up uh, by a very tiny number of uh, corporations and incredibly rich, so they're not speak. They're not giving the full breadth of ideas either. Yeah, it's quite a, a question to ponder, and you know, and if it's something like RT that's you know able to really take, you know, take a little crack, you know, that already exists there that's visible to people, and then just by running the content you guys do on a daily basis, if that's enough to take down the U S empire, um, which is almost kind of partly what the U S government is alleging is that Russian media, you know, did a serious damage to our sort of standing and our abilities to conduct business or, you know, just our democracy here. So that says very little mm-hmm. about, you know, what we stand for and what we really are as a country. So if that, right, it's, 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 it's sad, yeah, it's a it's sad not, commentary. Yeah. And it's, it, it basically, when they say Russian Russian media is harming our democracy, they mean the truth is harming our democracy. And by <laughs> yes. harming our democracy, I mean I mean pointing out that we don't have a democracy, we don't have a republic. <laughs> we have a we have a, 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 a inverted totalitarianism run by the corporate state, uh, and, and it's a complete oligarchy. They're, you know, as we're seeing with this tax bill, 
the things that are actually benefit Americans are not done at all, but the things that benefit corporations are done most of the time. So it's it, it basically it, the truth is, is very harmful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight, Lee. And um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to just plug, you know, anything you have coming up, um, any recent events or, you know, and just also remind people when they can tune into Redacted Tonight. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it airs on direct TV channel 321. And, uh, it's also at youtube.com slash redacted tonight. Uh, unlike the other comedy shows on TV, we're, our whole episodes are on YouTube. Um, people can find me at leecamp.com and I'm doing live shows. Uh, I have live tour dates coming up in Salt Lake city, Portland, Oregon, Washington, DC. So I'm always getting around. So that's all at, uh, leecamp.com. Thank you so much for talking to me tonight, and uh, let's hope. Thank you, um, Robbie. Let's hope this. Uh, you know, if it uh, if it gets worse, um, you know, we'll still be able to talk about it and uh, and have this being broadcast to people that can hear about it. I really appreciate it. Keep doing what you do.